Once again, welcome to Aspire Youth. We're like super pumped that you're here. And, you know, I, I believe that God is doing some really incredible things in your guys' lives, in our church. You know, God is, God, is, God is moving. You know, we were in revival meetings up in Pittsburgh this past week, and they were some of the most powerful meetings I've ever been in. And God was, God was speaking to those leaders like several different of the of the of the leaders and of the preachers that were there that that God's stirring something in America. You know, America is not too far gone. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to be the generation to change that. Can you say amen? amen. And so, uh, again, we're super glad that you're here at Aspire tonight. If you're a guest, we're especially honored that you're here with us. You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. In the Amplified Version, it says his power that is active in believers. And so put another way, you can say it like this, is that God has called us to know Jesus and make him known. And we believe that God has an assignment on your life to do something special, that Jesus loves you, and that he's chosen you and called you to do something for the kingdom of God. And so we'd be honored for you to become a part of our youth family here as we uh, all grow closer to Jesus and make him known together. So again, if you're a guest, we're super honored that you're here. Well, Alyssa announced just uh, what five, ten minutes ago that we had some awesome uh, camp awards. Who was at camp? Woo! Yes. Okay. So camp was absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, Peter and Joanna Reeves, they brought the word every single night, and they, they did such a fantastic job. Uh, that Wednesday service, oh, yeah. yeah, that was amazing. You know, we had a, a special testimony come out of that service. We were going to, uh, the, the, there was a person that asked to be anonymous, but God did something special in one of our, our students' lives, and uh, the, after that Wednesday evening service, you know, there were, there were miracles and healing. It was like a, almost like a healing service. And a student approached me and they said, hey, Pastor Josiah, can I talk to you for a second? So I said, yeah, of course. Let's come over here. And so we, we talked for a minute and they began to share of how, like for the past year, they had, they had cut themselves, you know, participated in self-harm and had struggled with depression, suicidal thoughts and, and things like that. And they said that during the service, you know, one of the things that that girl, whenever she got up and she was she was preaching, she called forward people that were like cutting themselves. And so this person didn't go up, but they said that that they were praying. And then at one point they looked down at their arms and the scars where they had been cutting themselves were completely gone. So Jesus, yeah, come on, give it up for the Lord. Jesus completely healed them, not just, not just physically, but that physical, the physical healing. We praise God for that, but we know that something greater happened on the inside of that student and they're going to be free from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts for the rest of their life. So come on, give it up for Jesus one more time. And and then, you know, there were several students, uh, about a dozen students, a dozen of you guys that were testifying that God spoke to you about your future, you know, about what the call of, what the call of God is on your life. Uh, there were four students that had testified, four of you guys testified that they got called into full-time ministry. Uh, so that's spectacular. If, if uh, you were one of those students, we'll be reaching out to you soon just to help you take some next steps there. And... 
then we also had uh, a handful of students testifying that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues for the first time. So yeah, give it up. Give it up for the Lord. And then I also want to remind those of you who made Speed the Light pledges. So you'll know what I'm talking about if it's you. So I have everyone's, I have everyone's papers in here. Uh, so if you want to come see me after service, I can get you your paper if you cannot remember what you committed uh, for Speed the Light. But basically, Speed the Light is a, a missions organization through the Assemblies of God that, the, that we're really going to start partnering, partnering with and receiving offerings for. And many of you made 12-week financial commitments to give to Speed the Light. You know, they go to different countries throughout the world. They preach the gospel while also bringing, like, water and food and things like that to them. And so many of you made financial commitments. And so on in 12 weeks from camp, okay, so we're a few weeks out from camp, but 12 weeks from camp is September, September the 20th. And so on September the 20th, we're going to be receiving that Speed the Light offering for your commitments. And so I want to encourage you to finish what God like stirred up and started in you at camp. So I'm going to read a scripture. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 and 11. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. So he's basically saying, Jesus has come to make you prosperous. And, and people will take that actually out of context and say it's talking about like spiritual richness, but it's not. It's, the context is about money. So he, God is talking about financial wealth that God wants you to have. And so our response to that is he's saying, he says, and here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. So Jesus's covenant promise to us is for us to walk in blessing, but we have a response, and that is this. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work. Somebody say, finish the work. So that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. So finish the work. Finish what God spoke in you to give and to commit to at, at youth camp. Finish the work. You know, we are finishers. You know, start, anybody can start something. Anybody can start anything. You can start a race. I don't know if you've ever started a Rubik's Cube before and had trouble finishing it. Is anybody terrible about starting books and never finishing books? Okay, yeah, it's easy to start. It's a, it's a lot more difficult to finish, but we're going to identify as finishers. Can you say amen? That, that we, are, we don't just start well, we end well. And so let's finish, finish out on those financial commitments. Again, that is September the 20th. You, if you want to write that down in your notebook, note takers are... History makers, for those of you who are seventh graders with us tonight, uh, you heard everybody say note takers are history makers. So we encourage you guys to bring a notebook and a Bible because note takers are history makers. Okay, so September the 20th, make sure you write that down for the Speed the Light offering. All right, well, well, tonight is a really special night because it is move up night. Let's give it up for all the incoming seventh graders in the house. We're super pumped to have you with us th this evening. We believe that, that you're starting just an absolutely incredible journey 
uh, you can call it a youth career, your youth time, but we, we believe that God is going to do some really incredible things in you. And, you know, we do this, this events, if you will, every single year, like a move up night every single year, you know, partly because people are coming into, into youth every single year. But it's like at a very surface level, this can be something that we treat as just like church protocol. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, I'm just moving up through because first you were, first you moved from like the preschool class to the toddler class. I probably have that backwards. And then, and then to like the bigger, you know, classroom number five over here. And then you got to go to the big kids church classroom and you were like, you know, you thought you were the stuff because now you're in big kids church. And then you went to, recently we started 5-6, so you're most recently in 5-6. And so then, you know, you're moving up from 5-6. And it can just seem like we're just moving you through the church pipeline and, and, and not feel really significant. Uh, but, you know, beginnings matter to the Lord. Beginnings matter. I'm going to read a scripture to you in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise these small beginnings. God is speaking about beginnings, and He says, Don't despise the beginning. Well, oftentimes when you're at the beginning of something, it is very easy to despise the quality of that beginning. You know, for those of you in, in seventh grade, you're going into seventh grade in the fall, there can be a lot of things to feel that would make you despise where you're at right now. So you're like the little guy on the totem pole, you know, the small dog on the block. You were in 5'6", you were the big bad sixth grader. If there was a bully, you would punch him in the nose. Okay, you wouldn't do that. But you, you get the point. And so then you can think, man, I'm in seventh grade but it's like, I, I can't drive yet. You know, people, you know, people don't like look up to me yet. And there can be a lot of things to actually despise about where you're at. But God says, wait, hold, hold on a second. Don't, don't hate where you're at. The beginning is special. Like I, I've got something special for you right now where you are. I'm taking you into a special new phase of your life. A beginning marks a new phase of something. Beginning marks a new phase. And specifically, it marks a point of activation. In the Bible, we see this, that, that God uses the beginnings, the beginning of something, as a time of activation. We see this, one example of it, in the story of David. If you know King David, in, in 1st Samuel chapter 16, we read the account where King David is chosen and anointed to become the next king of Israel. And what happens basically is the prophet Samuel hears from God to go to Jesse's house to select and then anoint, pour oil on the up coming next king of Israel. And so in, in 1 Samuel 16, we'll pick up starting in verse 4. 
in this, in this part of the story. So it says, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. He went to Jesse's house. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came, tr- came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. So remember, he's going there to anoint the next king of Israel. And so when Jesse's sons start like coming into this, to the ceremony where there's a sacrifice, he sees Eliab, who's the oldest, and he's like, oh, surely, surely this is like, this is the guy right here. This has got to be the one that God was wanting to anoint. And so, but the Lord said in verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the way you see them, see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. All the ladies like nice eyes. Okay, I guess you didn't think it was funny. Moving on. All right. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So David, he has this appointment with Saul where he meets Saul, or I'm I'm sorry, Samuel. And Samuel basically tells him, you are chosen to become the next king of Israel. You know, that's like, that's pretty profound. That's a big thing. But then when you read in scripture, David doesn't actually become king for another almost two decades. So around this point in time, David is, scholars say he's somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. And then he doesn't become king until he's 30 years old. And so for almost 20 decades, it seems like David was just in this waiting season of his life, waiting for him to actually be used by God, waiting for him to do something significant. But whenever you begin, whenever you continue reading the rest of the scripture, and we're going to look at a few things here, what you find is the exact opposite. That this wasn't just a choosing or an appointing and then a waiting time until the fruition of the kingship. This was an activation. It was the beginning of something for David where he was eventually going to become king. But it was an activation 
for him to begin operating under the power of God to do magnificent things. If you look at the end of what we just read, it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. From that day on, God began to work through David to do extraordinary things. In, in the very next chapter, we see some of these things starting to unfold. So still as a young boy, in, 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 actually it's, it's still in, in this same chapter, uh, David gets recognized for his musical skill. And then he gets chosen to become the king's personal musician. Look, look with me at verses 18 and 19. One of the servants Saul said to Saul, one of, Saul is the king, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. So David's, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse saying, send me your son, David, the shepherd. And so then they, they sent David. And so what's very interesting about this passage, so he gets, he gets already gone as working in David. He's still like a teenager at this point in his life. And it is just verses away. He's, he's still a teenager. We know actually that he's not, we know by the next chapter, we know that he has to be a teenager because he's not yet in the army. And in order to be in the army of Israel, you had to be 20 years old. So he's still a teenager. But yet this servant of Saul says of David, hey, I've heard of this guy who's a super good musician. And on top of that, he's a warrior. It's like, well, wait a second. He's, he's not a warrior. He's not old enough to be a warrior. He's not in Saul's army. That's why in, in, in the next chapter in Goliath, that's why Jesse sends his son David to take what? Like bread and cheese to his brothers. You guys familiar with that story? He's not in the army yet. But yet this guy is saying he's a warrior. And then he calls him a man. He's not a man. He's a boy. He's like got acne and he's like, he's barely gone through puberty. His voice is cracking. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, he's not a man. But yet there was something, there was something on the inside of David that got activated whenever Saul anointed him with oil, poured oil on his head. There was something that got activated on the inside of him that made David stand out to people that, hold on a second, there's a fire in this kid's eye. There's something different about this kid. He's the type of kid that you don't, that you don't mess with, right? He, I've heard about this kid that he was beating lions and bears with a freaking club. You know, there's, there's something on this kid. He might not be a man yet, but he's going to become a great man one day. And on top of that, he's super good looking, you know. So there was the anointing was on David, was on David already to begin causing things to work in his favor. He went from obscurity. You know, whenever he was anointed king of Israel, he was there with just his brothers. King Saul had no idea that this had happened. The rest of Israel had no idea that this had happened. The servant of Saul had no idea that this had happened. It was, it was an obscure, hidden event. 
But whenever you get activated by the power of God, God takes you from obscurity to brings you out and bringing you out into the open. Your anointing is your appointing to do something great. Whenever you get anointed by God, whenever you get anointed, you get activated to begin to do things for God. And he will give you favor and take you before great men. He, got, he went from obscurity to be taken before the greatest man in all of Israel at that point in time. Then on top of that, you can continue reading. You can continue reading in, in just a few verses. In, in verse 21, he gets promoted to be one of King Saul's armor bearers. So he goes from being a musician and Paul's personal musician to then getting selected to be one of Paul's armor bearers. And then in chapter 17, the, the chapter with, with Goliath, as we are all very, many of us are familiar with, where he kills Goliath with just a, a slingshot and a stone. Afterwards, we're all pretty familiar with that story, but afterwards, you know, David isn't in the army. He's not old enough to be in the army. People, scholars think that he was maybe 17 years old at this point in time. But afterwards, after David kills Goliath, Saul comes up to him in, in chapter 18. Look with me at chapter 18. Right in the beginning. Oh, I'm in 19. I was like, why can I not find it? I was like, what on earth? Okay. Chapter 18. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. So David, David kills Goliath, not even a, a member of the army yet. So God is already doing like exploits through David. And then on top of that, Saul's like, I know you're not old enough to be in the army yet, but you've, you've, you've got to become a part of my army. I know that by like standards and policy, like you, you still have a few more years, but it's like what's on the inside of you has to be put to use. That there's something in you that God is using you. God's favor is on you. God has anointed you. You just killed the giant. You've done something that grown men have been scared to do. God is using you and says, you've got to become a member of my army. And then he takes them to actually become, you can continue reading, takes them to become um, like one of his commanders. David becomes a commander of a thousand men shortly thereafter that. And then in verse 14, it says, David continued to succeed in everything he did for the Lord was with him. For the Lord was with him. He succeeded. Now, mind you, all of this taking place, David becoming a musician for Saul, David getting recognized like that, David killing Goliath, David then getting forced to become a member of the army. He wasn't allowed to go home. All of this, and then him becoming a commander, all of this happened and more before he was actually anointed king of Israel. And, and that was the beginning of, what's, of the transaction between him and Samuel. So he could have just very easily thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to wait until my time. I'm going to have to wait. No, he, he, he took it as an activation and begin to do things for the kingdom of God. And so it would be Satan that would have believers to think that whenever we get anointed, whenever we become 
into youth in seventh grade is that we're going to have to wait for God to actually begin to use us. That we're actually, we're just in a time of preparation. And we, we've said that for, for years, I think, as a church and as a ministry, like the church uh, abroad, that, that your teenage years are really just times of preparation. That God is just preparing you for the future. God is preparing you for what you're going to do one day. And while it's true that the things that you do now are preparation in the sense that they'll help you in what you do in the future, David killing Goliath wasn't an insignificant event. David becoming the musician for King Saul wasn't an insignificant event. It wasn't, it wasn't preparation, it was faithfulness. God isn't concerned with preparation. God is, con God is concerned with faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, Jesus is telling the parable of the stewards, and he, he says this, The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, if you can't be faithful with where you are now, then there actually never is going to be a future. You know, you're not, you're not just preparing for what God has next for you. It's your responsibility to be faithful now. It's not the future that matters. It's the now that matters. And one of the tricks and schemes of the enemy is to actually, is to make the pleasures of the world seem like now, but yet the purpose and plan and anointing of God for in the future. Because, and you, you see that, I've seen it in youth ministry, I've been in youth ministry for 10 years, and you see that so plain, where it's like, students will say, well, you know, I'm going to get serious about God when I'm older. I'm going to get serious about God whenever I'm like 20-something. And they'll feel like, you know, whenever I can drive, putting, you know, putting it into the future, whenever I drive, then I can begin getting more invested in like serving in youth and church and stuff. Whenever I'm in college, then things actually matter. Like right now, things don't matter. Like what I'm learning in school, it's not really that important. Or, you know, whenever I'm 25 and, and then I'm like, then I'm able to, you know, start dating and having a wife. That's when like it really matters about what you do and how you live. No, it's that now isn't just some pointless time. Now is the time of faithfulness. It's our faithfulness with how we handle the now, our faithfulness with how we handle today that actually opens up the future that God speaks to us. It's our faithfulness in the now. God isn't concerned with preparation. God will prepare you. God will prepare you. It's our job to be faithful. And you know, when you look at, when you begin to like look at the world and, and how and, and the things that the world has accomplished, you see all the time teenagers doing some of the greatest achievements that the, the world has ever known. I was just lo looking up some. Did you know that Braille, like for um, blind people, was invented by a 15-year-old? He was 15. Uh, Pele, have you got any soccer players? Pele, the, the famous soccer player from Brazil, he was 17 years old whenever he won the World Cup. 
There's been, there's been teenagers to win Nobel Peace Prizes. You know, teen, teenagers in the world seem to get something that like teenagers in, the, that teenagers in the church have been deceived out of. That it's like my time as a teenager, oh, it's not really that important. I can't make that big of a mark on the world. No, it's God has called you and chosen you and ordained you to do something now. And that is the account that we actually see all through the Bible. It's not just with King David. You, you see it with Jeremiah. Uh, we were just talking about Jeremiah, some, some friends of mine and I, just, just a couple days ago. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God calls Jeremiah as a teenager, some say that he was about 15 years old, to be a prophet. And Jeremiah talking to God says, no, I, I, can't, I can't be a prophet. I'm just a youth. And God says, don't say you're just a youth. Somebody say, I'm not. Say, it, say I'm, not I'm not just a youth. God says, I put my words in your mouth for the, for the rising of nations, for the falling of nations. He says, you're not just a youth. You're not just in some pointless preparation season of waiting. No, he says, I've called you, appointed you, activated you to do something now. Ezra, she was a teenager. All through the Bible, Mary, Mary, she wasn't a grown woman. People think that, scholars think that Mary was a teenager. In the New Testament, Timothy he was Paul's young companion. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy saying, don't let other people tell you that you're too young. Don't let people look down on you because of your youth. And so all through the Bible, we see the message that, that God doesn't just have teenagers in some holding cell waiting for the future. No, God has teenagers in a, in, in a place to activate you, to activate you into your call, to activate you into giftings, to activate you into an assignment now, to do something in your school, as Alyssa was talking about just but at, like right at the beginning of worship about revival and, and shaking this area genuinely with the power of God, that you have something on the inside of you. You have God on the inside of you to actually do something significant for the kingdom of God in this area. You know, everywhere, everything that God does, he does on purpose. You're here on purpose. You came to move up night on purpose. God has you in your school on purpose. God has you where you are doing what you were doing on purpose. And it is, there is an assignment on your life to be faithful in this season where you're at to say, I'm going to get serious about the things of God. You know, the Bible says that God is looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. You know, God is looking for David's. God is looking for Esther's. God is looking for, for Mary's. God is looking for young men and want young women who will say, you know what? I'm not just interested in playing some stupid little church game where we come, sing a couple nice fancy songs and go home, play Fortnite, stay up till 3 a.m., eat 7,000 Doritos and then wake up and do the whole thing again tomorrow. No, God is looking for students who are, who are like David, who are going to say, you know what? I'm going to get anointed. I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God. I'm in a place right now of not some pointless holding cell. No, I'm, I'm going to get full of the power of God. I'm going to get hungry for the things of God. I'm going to do things that nobody else is going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. And it's not pride, it's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. God is looking for someone. And Satan would just have you think, oh no, you're, that's arrogance. You're just too great. You know, you think you're so perfect and awesome and spectacular to think that God would use you where you're at. No, it's not arrogance, it's faithfulness. It's faithfulness to be who God has called you to be in the season of life that you're in.
here tonight we have our, our, our new seventh graders with us. And for you tonight, especially this is a, a moment of activation. You know, what, what we have taking place tonight is seniors leaving youth, 2023 seniors, and seventh graders coming into youth. And so one way that we like to look at it is like a relay race. Can I have one of those batons down there? Thank you. At some point in time, the seniors who are graduating, who have graduated and are going to be leaving youth in August, at some point they started in youth. And then it was their responsibility, just as it is yours to all you seventh graders and to everyone else, to run your race, your youth race, well. To run it with everything that you've got. And so for the past several years, for the past however many years they've been involved in youth, they've been running it with everything that they've got. They've been giving God everything. And now they come to the finish line. But it's not just that like, they're finishing and it's just them. It's not just that it's like a singular event, a singular moment for them. No, it is, it is like a relay race in the sense that as they are finishing, they are handing off to the incoming students the baton. You know, this is like a relay race baton. So they're finishing, but their finishing marks your beginning. Their finishing marks the start of your turn to run and to do youth well.